Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name is Joe Kuzma, and first and foremost, I'm flying solo here with an abbreviated version of our program because happy Thanksgiving to all of our viewers and listeners that are out there. We want to kind of keep this one a little short, and also uh, I didn't want to get Brian or anybody in the doghouse, you know, with the misses on a holiday uh, weekend, so... Uh, I'm going to go through some of the major happenings, and there's been quite a few of them here in Steelers Nation. But first, a little bit of housekeeping for this Sunday's game, Week 12. We're already in Week 12. I mean, we're about, you know, eating turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and everything, just stuffing our faces, pumpkin pie, in my case, some chocolate pies that I made. So I hope you enjoy the holiday. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Sunday, at least, you know, the Steelers, They've been avoiding that one season. It seemed like they were playing every holiday, Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve, New Year's, whatever, Christmas. And uh, this is actually kind of a little bit of a break to get a regular Sunday, one o'clock game. No Black Friday games. First time ever that's going to be happening. The three Thanksgiving games that they have now uh, and whatnot. So uh, this Sunday, one o'clock at the second worst named stadium in the NFL next to Acrisure Stadium is Paycor Stadium down in Cincinnati. And of course, on that field turf, the Bengals will be hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers their head coach Zach Taylor 33 41 and one in five seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals hard to believe that he's like that like you know eight games south of a 500 record as a head coach despite his success and he's had some against the Pittsburgh Steelers uh over the course of Zach Taylor's tenure they have not played yet this season the first of two matchups that they will have of course a big AFC North division games that are on the line here Zach Taylor is four and four he's an even 500 against Pittsburgh Steelers, which, you know, Marvin Lewis did not have that type of success back in the day. Mike Tomlin, on the other hand, 17 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, 169, 97, and two. He is 24 and nine against the Bengals uh, during his career and tenure with the Steelers since 2007. This game will be broadcast on uh, locally. It'll be KDKA, which is CBS. CBS carrying this one. And actually, this has uh, been a couple of good weeks for Steelers Nation when it comes to just trying to get the game on some rabbit ears or having local coverage. This map, courtesy of 506 Sports, everything in the red will be the Steelers and Bengals. Uh, if you happen to be listening to this, if you are anywhere in a different time zone, practically other than the East Coast, and do not live in the Southwest, basically New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, et cetera, and Florida, parts of Georgia and parts of Tennessee, and then, of course, the Indianapolis Colts market. You are going to get this game. If you see everything that's in the red, it is like half the states in the nation. It almost looks like one of those electoral maps. Uh, this is the big, I guess this is the big one. I'm not sure what else they're up against this week, to be completely honest. I didn't look, but I'm going to check that out right now because I'm kind of I'm kind of interested. And of course, it has to do with it being an AFC North game. Um, the, the Cleveland Browns are playing a West Coast. They have a West Coast trip that is on Fox in the late window against the Denver Broncos. That'll cover a lot of that same territory that's already in red on this map. And um, let me see. 
uh, losing my train of thought, but that happens quite frequently, right? Yeah, there's only two other games in that 1 o'clock CBS window. Jacksonville at Houston and Tampa Bay at Indianapolis. Um, even the Memphis-Tennessee market was switched from the Jacksonville-Houston game to Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. So, Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, Evan Washburn, same crew you're used to hearing week in and week out. The A-team for the CBS crew is going to be calling this one. If you're listening on the radio, the Steelers broadcast on Sirius 82 XM 228 on the internet 806. Sports USA is also covering this with Larry Kahn and Mark Carrier providing the analysis. Your usual crew on WDVE FM 102. 5 and 97 WBGG AM out of Pittsburgh will be Bill Hillgrove, Craig Wolfley, Max Starks, and Missy Matthews, the referee for this game. Brad Rogers, who I don't have a whole lot to say uh, one way or the other. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, of course, without their top quarterback, Joe Burrow, who was uh, leading this team, but also had his struggles throughout this season thus far, started injured. Kenny Pickett also with some of his own struggles leading the Pittsburgh Steelers in passing. So we're going to see uh, two dynamics here as far as passing games and whether these teams can get anything off the ground because we know how the Cincinnati Bengals have the vaunted trio of wide receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, who has been banged up. We'll have to monitor the injury reports a little early uh, I believe he was a DNP yesterday and then of course Tyler Boyd who locals might remember from the University of Pittsburgh and he talks his own trash as it is the Cincinnati Bengals are three and two. Oh, I should I should I'd be remiss to mention uh Joe Mixon leads the Bengals Joe Mixon had a very good game against the Ravens the previous week before especially before Burrow went down uh 605 yards four touchdowns on 153 carries that's just a smidge about a hundred or ish more than Najee Harris who isn't even the leading rusher for the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point with Jalen Warren uh kind of ascended into that role and we we're always wondering hey what's going on it's a nice one-two punch Najee I saw some statistic thing it was 15 plus run uh yard runs he leads the league with like seven or eight of those over all of these other running backs and you got Jalen Warren you know also just kind of carrying the torch as well to uh back-to-back 100 yard rushing games of course he had the 70 plus run for a touchdown against Cleveland last week a lot of people wondering why didn't the Steelers just run 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 the ball uh we'll see if they can get there we'll see if they can get George Pickens the Steelers leading wide receiver with 37 uh, receptions for 604 yards and three touchdowns in this mix as well. The Steelers are two and two thus far this year on the road, uh, whereas the Cincinnati Bengals are three and two at home. Steelers are six and four against the spread. They're still 28th in points scored per game. Bengals are only 20th, but they're scoring a little more. Uh, 20.2 to the Steelers, 16.6. They're allowing 22.6, which is 21st in the league, to the Steelers being 7th, only allowing just under 20 points per game at 19.5. So about a field goal differential between what the two teams allow and almost that same margin when it comes to the offense. Like I said, the Bengals, for all the weapons that they've had without the you know their prized quarterback. And we've said this before, and we've seen this. We saw this during the COVID season. They had a backup that was in and embarrassed Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers in their own home building in a primetime game. So I can't take anything away uh, from the Bengals. I can't take anything away from AFC North football. I expect this one to be competitive. We'll see um, how the Steelers... End up uh, end up operating because passing wise they're next to last in the league with 170 yards per game. The Bengals are in the middle of the pack at 217. 
Uh, running the football, the Bengals, however, are almost at the bottom of the league at 30th, where the Steelers have bounced back and are now in the middle of the pack at 16th. Defensively, the Steelers are 23rd in both categories against the pass and the run, giving up about 239 pass yards and 127 yards on the ground, whereas the Bengals are 247 against the pass. They are worse than the Steelers by just a small margin. They also give up the 31st most run yards defensively in the National Football League. We'll see um we'll see if TJ Watt can get going in this game. He did get kind of like a cheap sack last week, which I'm not afraid to point that out when that does happen. I'm actually not afraid to point out that cheap sacks could I, I was listening to something actually that made like a lot of sense uh, or not as much sense. We were talking about pro football focus and where they rank some of these people. They were on XM radio and speaking of putting somebody like miles Garrett ahead of consideration of TJ Watt, the quality of sacks type deal. Uh, miles hasn't had the most high quality of sacks either. And they're pretty much considering him next to the Deron bland as maybe the, um, the second most front runner for a defensive player of the year category uh, this season. So uh, we'll see if TJ Alex Highsmith and those guys can get it going against the backup quarterback, Jake Browning, who will be starting in place of Joe Burrow. The Bengals have, uh, let's see, on their offensive line, they kind of retooled it a little bit, obviously, signing Orlando Brown in the offseason as their left tackle. Jonah Williams is on the right side. The interior of their offense with center Ted Karras and Cordell Volson and Alex Kappa. And Volson's been one of those kind of, you know, iffy guys over time. Um, we'll, so we'll see if that can hold up with a backup quarterback. We'll see how the Bengals approach this game. I would assume they try and run the football, but uh, with a if they have a healthy T. Higgins, it's going to go a long way towards attacking the Steelers' secondary, which is still a little bit banged up. Steelers made a lot of transactions this week, promoting, signing Trenton Thompson to the active roster after a very good game. Several pass defenses uh, maybe could have had an interception towards the end of the game. So uh, Zach and I talked a lot about Trenton Thompson in the previous episode. If you got some time and you hadn't had a chance to check that out, by all means, do so. Get into more meat there. I don't want to be a broken record. And I know it's going to sound that way in a little bit. Somebody kind of accused me. Well, I don't want to say accused. It was good feedback, but I, I don't always repeat the same things from show to show. Sometimes it just doesn't pop into my brain. Against guys like Dan Moore, you know, um, one of our um, commenters that was out there. And thank you for listening or watching wherever you are. I, I'm not upset about that, but I have said, you know, Dan Moore, they drafted a guy to replace him. He's not thought of as being highly, but he's held his own and he wasn't, hasn't always been the weakest link as far as <laughs> Mason Cole, bad snaps and all. That's the kind of stuff that needs to get changed. He's also a lot of pressure that was coming up the interior when you have two high priced Region guards like Isaac Sumalo and James Daniels, but Mason Cole, kind of a weak link in there. Of course, Chooks Okorafor was playing so poorly that the guy that the Steelers drafted to replace or hopefully eventually replace Dan Moore. Dan Moore shows up in shape. And he's playing like a dude for the most part, at least average at times. Guys are going to get beat. The other guys on the other side are professionals. I get that. Roger Jones goes and plays on the right side and look at the difference that the Steelers are able to do uh, running the football off the right. I mean, just some of the things that they could do about pass protection was a nightmare and it was a nightmare against 
uh, the Cleveland Browns. We'll see if it'll still be a nightmare against the Bengals, but still talking about Steelers defense against Bengals offense. The Steelers signed Blake Martinez, a linebacker, lots of years of experience. You may remember him uh, probably more prominently with the Green Bay Packers tackling machine. He's on the active roster since he had to be signed. You can't sign practice squad to practice squad. You got to elevate someone to your 53. So Blake Martinez, a little bit of reinforcements along with Miles Jack, who was signed to the Steelers practice squad coming out of retirement. I expect him to be elevated on Saturday for this game on Sunday, uh, perhaps even with Eric Rowe. A uh, veteran safety who um, was signed to the practice squad as well. Elijah Riley ended up going to injured reserve after just finally getting a shot and then he gets hurt. Uh, you hate to see that happen. I think Eric Rowe may help a little more even on the special team side as may Jack, but they were playing with Trenton Thompson, Michael Walker last week as their starters. So, and it's still, um, they still were, they, they played very well on defense. The Steelers did. I think they could put the clamps on with the Bengals as well. It won't, uh, it, it should be about the same kind of, you know, you've got, um, you had Amari Cooper, you had Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt. You're going to have the same kind of dynamic with the Bengals, except they might have another receiver or two. They don't have the tight end though. And Njoku was dropping a lot of passes. Whereas, you know, you do have, if you have a healthy T Higgins, it's going to go a long way to maybe helping Jake Browning, uh, an inexperienced quarterback to say the least. That's uh, what happens when you have expensive quarterbacks. When you get, you got these big contracts, like for Watson or Burrow, you can't have like an all-star guy that's waiting in the wings, ready to jump in, unless it's like some rookie with a high ceiling. And usually it's a rookie uh, that you're hoping has a high ceiling. It's going to be a middle or late round draft pick as a backup because you're not going to be taking someone in the top 10 when you already have like, you know, a 50 million or more dollar per year quarterback. So uh, the Steelers, though, uh, Blake Martinez, Miles Jack, Eric Rowe, you're going to be seeing some numbers out there. You're going to go cross-eyed. Who's that guy? And you're going to have to go consult the Steelers app, scroll and look for the roster and see. I didn't actually... Um, uh, these are usually the kind of news. Let's see what the injury report is so far with the Steelers. I mean, George Pickens was banged up with the shin. You had a couple of guys also with days of rest. Minka Fitzpatrick is still dealing with the hamstring, but they're expecting to maybe get him going this week and get him back in. Uh, but most of the players were rest. You did get Montrevious Adams back into the fold, at least limited on Wednesday. The Cincinnati Bengals, uh, kind of the same kind of reports where there's uh, a few players with rest. The big DMPs, uh, happened to be Cam Taylor Britt, one of the starting corners. If they have to yank him, DJ Turner, uh, a rookie, will be his um, his immediate backup. And then you also have um, that whole secondary is where I really uh, ask some questions, but the defense in general, because they lost Jesse Bates, they lost Vaughn Bell, they replaced him with Nick Scott and Dax Hill, and then Jordan Battle, yet another rookie. Chidobe Awuzie, veteran corner, solid corner. Cam Taylor Britt's been playing pretty darn well, was drafted to do so, but DJ Turner, uh, he's been playing well too uh, for where he's had to be put in that place. And I wouldn't say that the Bengals necessarily fear the Pittsburgh Steelers passing attack, but that could change and leads me to perhaps my main topic. But again, the offensive line, they're going to have to keep some of these guys at bay. Okay. You got Trey Hendrickson, uh, premier pass rusher. When you talk about the guys in the AFC North, you got Garrett, you got Watt, and then you got Hendrickson. You probably put Highsmith in that category too. Sam Hubbard's capable DJ reader and BJ Hill, the two tackles, on that defensive line on that front are also very good. The, the two linebackers, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt, are also more than capable. And then they also have Joseph uh, Asai, 
who can rotate in and uh, get after the quarterback. And um, not a lot from Miles Murphy, who was drafted, but Bengals go pretty deep here across their front four. And that'll be important for the Steelers. We're going to see Eddie Faulkner, running backs coach. Everybody's like, whoa, this guy has been an ascending name, and you might have to remember another name in order to understand where this came from. North Carolina State. Jalen Samuels, offensive weapon. Remember, fifth-round pick. They even let him play in the Wildcat until that didn't really work out too well, right? But his running backs coach, Eddie Faulkner, ends up coming aboard because they saw what he was able to do. We saw what he's been able to do with the likes of Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. It's about the only thing that's been working for the Steelers' offense. So they're going to design plays. The reason he's the interim offensive coordinator, now he's not calling the plays, and there's a reason for that. He's not an experienced offensive play caller. Has some time at the college level, but... You're not going to want the, the, the biggest one of the biggest two of the big problems with Matt Canada. And now that he's gone, the reason you didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel is, is like, okay, Kenny Pickett's out here and he's talking about, we're going to be running the same play, same playbook. I, or I was yelling about this back. What week four, week, week six, week five, week six, when the Steelers had their buy. And I said, they should can Canada then, but the playbook probably won't change too much. There's going to be some tweaks, but some of the concepts where you have, Three guys and a screen to Jalen Warren and the three guys aren't even blocking. They're going out for a pass. Those are the type of things that are going to get refined. And on the other side of the field, you got George Pickens, perhaps man, man to man, one on one. There was also a fleet, uh, a free guy just coming off the edge there, maybe sliding some protections. There might be some different things that actually get acknowledged or changed in this process just because you're going to have somebody who is going to be advocating for the run game. Not three straight passes to Deontay Johnson like the way the game ended. You're going to have maybe somebody gets to run the ball because it's going to be an advocate for the running backs because that's been their coach. Okay. Eddie Faulkner is going to be designing some plays and running the running the ball means Kenny Pickett doesn't have to pass much more than 20 or 25 times per game. It may also open up some play action opportunities. And guess what? Although Eddie Faulkner is inexperienced and when and maybe where in the heat of the moment to make these calls on the field with the play sheet. Mike Sullivan, current quarterbacks coach, who will be calling the plays, is not inexperienced in this category, having done so for the New York Giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was able to get Josh Freeman to be a 4,000-yard passer. Also, Eli Manning had some of his best seasons with Mike Sullivan as his QB coach. So these are some positives now. Maybe there is some light at the end of the tunnel for Steelers Nation. Maybe we can get some wide receivers to actually run some decent routes. Some of the plays, some of the film that's been out there for some of the other Steelers analysts, they show things that are left on the field. Look, I don't want it to make it sound like it's excuses for Kenny Pickett, but they are excuses to some degree, right? When you got guys that are in your face after a second or two because the offensive line isn't doing their job, or you've got players that are put out in positions where they're not blocking, or you're not putting any protection out there, or you're not running the damn football and then helping out your quarterback, that's these things. It makes it hard to evaluate really where the problem is. Like I said, he probably wasn't probably still isn't hundred percent wearing the jacket with the injured ribs and whatnot. I remember when Baker Mayfield was doing that a few years ago, everyone was on his case, hard to throw the football. You got to put yourself in his position where you got to be like, you know, right at the snap of your fingers, bad snaps from Mason Cole, get, it takes you out of your rhythm, out of your timing, might lose a half second. And then someone's already down your neck, especially if Cole's like, Oh crap, bad snap. Hey, wait, did that guy just run by me? So Maybe some of these things can finally get cleaned up because it won't be a disorganized mess at the guy at the helm of the entire offense. 
That's what I'll say for that. Now, will you see it necessarily cleaned up this week? Not going to go that far, but we saw some better things the previous two weeks before facing the Browns. So there might be a little bit hope that you get like those opening opening uh, series scoring drives or a hundred yard rusher with Jalen Warren, or maybe at least move the chains or make some things a little more simple. Maybe you get a quick slant. Maybe you get the tight ends involved in the freaking football game. Uh, it's going to be tough to say because there's not a whole lot that they can install necessarily, but I think they're going to throw out some of the garbage, refine some of the things that hadn't been working uh, the way that they should be. And while some of the plays may look familiar, there may even be a jet sweep out there. Oh, God forbid, right? Uh, I think that with the right maybe coaching in the right direction in the right uh, play call for the situational football can definitely, I mean, come on, Kenny Pickett dropping back the pass and nearly getting a, a, it should have been a safety on the first play of the game. Everybody there knows you run the freaking football. <laughs> I mean, and again, it's offensive line. Some of that problems too. So there's a lot of problems with the Steelers offense that hopefully this coaching move can change. And then we'll find, we'll find out, we'll find out who all is the problems. We'll find out if it's uh, the scheme, maybe the offensive line. Cause we've seen things with Kevin Dotson, Kevin Dotson's problem always was there was somebody on the right side, and now he's playing on the right side, which is his natural position. He wasn't really a left guard. Dan Moore's problem was there's always been uh, Dotson, of course, doing what decent. Rams' offensive line still pretty bad, but Dotson was getting good PFF grades, right? Dan Moore's problem one year was his rookie year, five different right guards playing next to him. That's tough. You got to like have like cohesiveness. You got to have like familiarity. With your offensive line, you also got to have scheme. You got to everybody's got to know what everybody else is doing and being on the same page. And that was a big Matt Canada problem. I don't think he was able to organize that in a way he did. That screenplay I'm talking about, where nobody's blocking, or Kenny maybe not going. Now Kenny's recognized the one-on-ones and called audibles, and we've seen him do the you know the bullhorns, uh, changing plays, the line of scrimmage, and trying to recognize things pre-snap. And teams are going to change it up, but we saw him recognize. He did this against the Baltimore Ravens. That's how they won the game. That's how he finds George Pickens. And everybody's like, "Well, Kenny made that call, or Kenny made that play. Probably did over Matt Canada. Matt Canada not able to recognize some of these things. So uh, I'm trying to tell everyone that you know there's a lot more hope." going into this game because you might not have to deal with the same old, same old. Does it mean the Steelers are going to go out there and score 30, 40 points? No, I don't believe that whatsoever. It's going to be AFC North football where the two defenses slug it out and try and make up for whatever deficiencies they have on the offensive side of ball. And maybe it's down to the kickers, Boswell, McPherson, and we'll see how that ends up panning out. Um, I'm really hoping though that Pat Fryermuth Darnell Washington, guys like that could start getting a little more involved. Even Calvin Austin. Let's see what the Steelers could do because almost everyone, including George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, they're all afterthoughts in this offense and they shouldn't be. These are guys that Kenny Pickett should be able to lean on. And I felt like Kenny was very accurate. I saw him all training camp. I saw him all preseason. And then all of a sudden, like, where does that just go? I think it's just a lot of it is coaching and bad habits. Maybe there's things that could be eased in. And this is where Mike Sullivan calling the plays now, Eddie Faulkner, X's and O's guy, thought to be uh, upcoming. There's been some interviews with him. I think Mark Caballi got him during the summer about being maybe an eventual eventual offensive coordinator. I know people don't like the hire from within, but this was a guy that was a bright mind coming from college that came to the Steelers, and this is the only area that they've had some success. However, with Mike Sullivan, he knows what his quarterback is comfortable doing. He's going to call plays that are going to be successful for his quarterback, and he has the track record of doing so. 
it's a two man job right now to replace this one guy who has basically burned the house down and now you got to build back from the foundation. So that's what you're looking at when it comes to Matt Canada. Look, I don't revel and anyone losing their job or being fired and everybody celebrating, but enough was enough was enough. Whether it was Mike Tomlin, as he claims, whether it came from Art Rooney, the second, the Rooney's hadn't fired uh, anybody, any coach in season, they've demoted people or stripped whatever. They got Canada completely out of the building. That's how bad it was because they hadn't done any of the other things besides demotions, straight up firing anyone since 1941. That's how bad it, it's gotten. This team is at six and four and it's salvageable. I think that maybe Canada could have even been gone, but those last two, uh, I mean, everybody, look, there's no way that Mike Tomlin went back to the lab that guys like Najee Harris, Kenny Pickett, even TJ Watt, they went back. If they're watching this game, they're watching this film, they're meeting. Some of them, they, we might not have to watch it. It's in your brain. You know what you did those last two drives and it didn't work. It did not set up this team for success to win a football game. And they lost in a very winnable situation where like almost every other team that's in the National Football League should have came out with a victory. And it's a division loss. They could they they could be ahead in the division and ahead in the overall record. The Steelers schedule is very favorable going forward. We're going to see if the people that they have still on deck are capable of cleaning up this mess at least uh, momentarily. And they've got some games coming up here. They will have a mini buy. They're going to have a short week after this game. <coughs> Excuse me. Arizona Cardinals after the Bengals and then a short week with the New England Patriots that have had their own in-house issues. And then they'll have maybe a little bit more time to change a little bit more of this and tweak it as they get to some of the bigger games on the schedule near the end, especially that road trip to Baltimore at the very end. Could be for all the marbles. You never know. But this is exactly kind of the area where we thought the Steelers might be. There's a lot of people out there that still believe the Steelers are a 10-11 win football team. They also think that on the surface, there's probably going to be three teams making it out of the AFC North and into the postseason. They will be one of them, uh, or they should be one of them, unless this thing totally falls apart. Let's hope on defense that they can get Minka Fitzpatrick back. That'll be a big feather in their cap defensively for all of the different things that they do. And I like the line, inside linebacker additions. At least this week, tight end should not beat them. And they're just going to have to have more bodies when it comes to DBs, if that's possible, dropping like flies. So, folks, happy Thanksgiving. And we hope that uh, you're having a safe one. If you're already watching this, you got through the biggest party day of the year, which was Wednesday night. So that's always good. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And until next time, my name's Joe, and I'm the only one here. So go out there, enjoy your turkey or your leftovers if you're catching this a little later after you've already had the first helping and get some pie as well. Get some cool weep to put on that. Until uh, next time, I encourage everyone out there to be safe, be good, and we'll catch you later. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com.